competitive fly fishing is shaping how we fish today. And so to talk us all through it, we sat down with recent Commonwealth bronze medalist, Erhan Sinner. When we first met Erhan, he was just learning how to fly fish and his keenness to learn was unrivaled. Fast forward 10 years and he not only guides part-time with wilderness fly fishing, but also represents Australia on the global stage. His recent results in Scotland are nothing short of phenomenal, and so we couldn't wait to hear how it all went down. As well as learning more about the competition scene, we tap into Airhan's elite technique knowledge to reveal what you can do differently to catch more fish. Competitive or not, this is one episode you don't want to miss. Mate, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, g'day fellas, thanks for having us. Um, you did really bloody well, right? What, you came third? Yeah, third, individually, yeah, so, yep. and uh, team third as well. Fantastic, so you were Australia's best on ground, arguably. <laughs> yeah. Not arguably, proven. <laughs> yeah, proven. yeah well, I was, but um, yeah, you can't do it without the other boys helping you, so. For sure, it's mate. A team effort. Yeah, 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 and we're going to get into that a bit further, um, you know, there's going to be so many listeners that are just dying to hear how that competition all panned out. <laughs> Can you give us a bit of a, a blow-by-blow description? It's like just arriving there and then how the, the whole event transpired. Um, so we got there on, uh, I think it was 16th of June, um, got to Glasgow, did some training on uh, places like Loch Leven, um, <clears throat> where our brown trout come from. Uh, and then headed over to Isla, where the competition was. Um, fished a few of the locks there. Practiced, uh, yeah, uh, bank fishing on the locks over there. And then, um, yeah, got into the competition. So Yeah, and so was that advised, you know, fishing waters like the Leven and uh, the, the locks? Is that the same sort of style of waters that you nah. were anticipating in the comp? No, nah, I think Craig wanted us to just... Fish Loch Leven because it was Loch Leven. Yeah. Because um, it's kind of a special place, I suppose, in the world of yeah. fly fishing. So we went there, fished there, and then pretty much ramped up for the comp. Really cool that you were able to take that time out. You would think that the intensity of competition would mean, no, we're going to do, yeah. you know, this. Like, let's let's be full preparation. But obviously it was a bit more uh, just wanting to keep you guys calm and just go yeah. into it with a positive mindset. Was that the case? Yeah, so... I thought it was going to be like that, but um, Craig was real, like, adamant that he wanted us, like, just take it easy and think of it almost like we're on holiday. So just chill out and, yeah, let the, I suppose, let your ability take care of the rest, I guess. Yeah, like you've done the preparation, you know, now let's just enjoy it for what it is and we're yeah. here now, let's just have fun. Yeah, pretty much. He wanted mm. us to make sure that we're having fun. So, yeah, that's yeah. good, mate. So you finally got to ILA. Yeah. Um, and then what the, the competition kicks off, is there some kind of ceremony or how does it... How does it <laughs> yeah, so we um, we were in Isla for four days uh, just preparing and then uh, the whole competition moved to a place called uh, the Macri, I think it was called. It was like a big golf course sort of venue. Um, and then, yeah, we have like an opening ceremony with the local kids and everything like that. So it was quite cool. So... It's only Isla's only got a population of three thousand, so I think like the the whole of the island was there watching. So it was pretty cool, and all these kids and um, bagpipes and everything. So it was a like it was a really cool event. So it was good to be a part of. Yeah, unreal, mate. Um, and is it like uh, does it feel a little bit stale at any point though? The whole like formality of that. 
Uh, or it was just exciting just being there and like. Yeah, I don't. No, it was pretty cool. Like the whole thing was really exciting. Um, there was yeah, uh, it was pretty full on though. Like you don't really have time to sort of take it all in. Yeah. Until probably you get on the plane to go home. Like it was, <laughs> yeah. So it all comes from reflection rather than the build up. At pretty the start. much, yeah. Everything yeah. was just like yeah, so surreal. It was just like oh, is this actually happening now? And yeah, yeah it was pretty cool. How yeah. long were you over there in total? Uh Three weeks, pretty much smack bang on three weeks. Yeah. yeah. And that'd be probably the bare amount, the, the smallest amount of time that you could realistically go and compete in something like that. Yeah. This. Well, you're there, like the comp goes for three days. So you're there for 21 days and, yeah. Um, yeah, three days of comp fishing. So the rest was just preparing and yeah. fly tying and everything that Craig wanted us to do, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah fantastic. So it was good. Yeah. Um, so then the, the competition kicks off. Um, talks through that first day. Uh, so the first day I was on a lock called, uh, Lock Finlagen. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was quite nerve wracking at the start because, I mean, we've got experience doing comp fishing here, but to do it at an event like that, you sort of get real nervous. So, um, going away with the other anglers that you're competing against. Um, so yeah, got to my lock, uh, got like a, a beat of say 200 metres and yeah, just, Oh, just fish that section of water um, and it's quite uh, funny because their locks are quite shallow so you can wade out like a hundred meters like it's it's just insane and just catching like little browns I guess yeah yeah um, that, yeah and that, what, the fish are fairly evenly spread throughout that lock how does it uh, so that lock so Finn Largan was probably the toughest so that probably played in my favor as well to get the toughest uh, sector first I guess you'd say um, but, uh, yeah, look, it, it, it sort of played in my favour because, um, small little browns and they get touched up and you know what brown trout are like, once they get, once they get hit, they sort of don't like coming again. So, yeah, just, um, pretty much just fishing for them as hard as I can, I guess, uh, yep. roly-poly fishing and stuff like that because they're small and you've got other competitors on the lake at the same time as you? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so pretty much every every beat was next next to you. So right. you could hear going, um, yeah, you could hear all the, uh, like the English guy below me was quite funny because I could hear him singing. Yeah. So he was, <laughs> when I went up to him at the end of the session, I go, I could hear you singing. And he's like, yeah, it was a tough session. So <laughs> <laughs> That's what he does to get through it. So, yeah, that's what he does to get through <laughs> did it. Did he have a little hip flask of whiskey on him too, maybe? <laughs> no, a few of them did, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah, we were sharing whiskey at the end of the session. <laughs> it was pretty cool. That's good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, is it a fairly, like the other competitors there, are they, they've gone through the same rigmarole you have to, to get to that, that point? Yeah, um, so like the South Africans and stuff like that, they sort of um, experienced the same thing we did, but uh, you had the, the Irish, uh, the English and the Scots, which were over there practising quite a fair bit. So um, they were going to be our toughest challenge, um, for some reason, the English didn't go that well, but the uh, the other two countries were really tough to fish against. Like yeah, they were right. really on their game, and even at the end of the sessions, well, at the end of my first session, um, I was sort of you know a bit chilled out, and I went and spoke to the Irish guy, and 
they were really taking it serious. So I knew from then I needed to step up my game. I thought, oh yeah, I'm at uh, I'm at a big competition now, so I need to lift my game. Yeah. Um, and so your first day of fishing, how, how did you fish? Yeah, so that first session I actually won it. Um, yep. Won the first session. Uh, the second session I actually got a tough beat and got a, still got a fourth, I think. And this uh, was on a lock again? Yeah, it was on the same lock. So there was three, three different venues um, with five sectors. So uh, Lock Finlagen had two sectors. So you'd fish one side of the, the lock and then you'd go across and fish the other side. Uh, the other sector was called Loch Gorm, um, and that was the same. And then there was one called Belly Grant where it had one sector, and that was out of a boat. So, right. um, there, so there was four sessions off foot, and then the other one was out of a boat, like traditional lock style. Yeah. yeah. And so obviously no, no river fishing through this competition. No, no, but the way I broke it down from the bank was it was very similar to like river fishing. It was there wasn't really... Oh, for me, anyway, it wasn't really too different. Um, so the way you'd, I'd approach the, the lock is same as I'd approach like a river. Um, if you hit fish, then you sort of knew that there'd be more fish in that area. So you'd probably come across and fish them from a different angle or change flies and then you'd hit more fish. And then when it, it quieted down in that, in that little spot, then you'd move on and, and then try to look for more fish. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it was... Um, it was a lot of work. It was hard work, but it, yeah, it worked. It worked for me anyway. Yeah, and I guess you know, getting a first in that that first sector, um, that that would have given you a bit of confidence for the rest uh, of it. It gave me confidence, but I don't um, for like the individual side. I don't really ever look at the results until right at the end. Um, I don't know if that's just a confidence thing or um, I don't know. It's just something that I do because it's. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon type thing and it can sort of throw you off. Like you might... You don't you know, want to be distracted. No, I don't it. want to be just, distracted. Like yeah. I, even um, the after my fifth session, I remember going back, to, um, going back to the room and going through Messenger and I had guys from home like messaging me going, oh, well done, well done, like you, you're doing really good. And I'm like, oh, it's all over now, I've finished. And they're like, oh, how'd you go? And I go, oh, I won the last session. And... Um, they were like, oh, you were coming forth going into the... F-. And I didn't even know. Yeah. I didn't even know where I was. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, just keep going for the team because we were sitting third and that was the main priority was to try and, you know, secure that medal for the team and that was it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and the other the other guys in the Aussie team, um, they, they, they fished quite well throughout it as well. Yeah, everyone um, did their job. Um, young Finn McDowell, he's only 18, he... Ended up finishing in top ten. He got eight. Wow. So he was Amazing like, effort. yeah, he was wrapped. He, um, what's he going to be like when he's an old bastard like you? Uh, <laughs> he'll be, he'll yeah. be unstoppable. Look, he he'll be one to watch. I reckon in the future yeah. for Australia, he'll be. I reckon he'll be the best angler in Australia within ten years. Yeah, guaranteed. wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Start putting some money on him now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, that's unreal, mate. I think it's just such a great effort, you know. Like, I, it's uh, it's nice that we can stack up against some of those bigger countries. Yeah. Um, and you know, fly fishing isn't big in Australia, so yeah. you know, we we don't have a big big pot of people that we can really learn from. And yeah, it's it's different, right? It is different. And, yeah. And to fish that well, mate, hats off. I uh-huh. think it's yeah, bloody sensational. Yeah. 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 It was quite, it was really cool. Like, especially to do it over there. 
um, other side of the world and um, and fish their way of fishing because we don't generally fish like those style of flies, like the English wets and stuff like that. So yeah, um, I think you can you probably do it in Tasmania a little bit, but yeah, that sort of style of fishing is different to what we're used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're mainly just out of a boat or pulling yeah. woolly buggers, you know. Yeah. admirable or something like that yeah <laughs> yeah any techniques that you you think you can bring back here from that competition that you were like oh actually you know that that was a bit of a light bulb i need to try that at home yeah um there were a couple actually like uh i suppose i'd say rocky valley would be like our closest to to there those small fish and um there was one of my controllers um become good mates with him actually and he gave me a tip that really helped me throughout the comp what did that cost and uh, yeah actually cost it <laughs> cost a hat and a badge so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. as long as no money <laughs> yeah, changed hands no, no, and, I, and one of them i gave a, a one of my shirts to at the end of the comp so <laughs> 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 it's like bloody gary ablett's premiership yeah, journey that hasn't know, been washed because they were you know such good people um yeah. over there but yeah like the one of the techniques was that um, so those small fish they tend to when the when you lay out the flies on the water they tend to come up and splash and they do the same thing on rocky valley and what we tend to do we just keep fishing like you know we don't strike don't do anything we just keep fishing and hope that fish comes back and generally they'll come back on rocky valley but there they don't seem to chase again so he actually said to me he goes oh i don't know why everyone keeps you know stripping when the fish splash he goes if you don't feel a tug just stop the fly and um he goes what they're doing is actually they're slapping the fly with their tail and then they'll roll back on it so i started doing that and i just started like catching fish so yeah that was that's one technique that i'll definitely use here when we fish rocky valley i reckon it'll work quite well unreal so all the controllers are are keen fly fishers themselves yeah majority of them were yeah. yeah yeah um a lot of them do comps. Um, some of them just fish for clubs, and yep. there were some some guys there that had never fly fished before. Uh, actually, my first session, uh, the guy there actually thought he was coming to fish in a competition, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not control. So was he upset when you walked in front was, of him? Yeah, he was <laughs> like, "I actually thought I was fishing," and I'm like, "Oh no, nah, you're a controlling mate." <laughs> so, <laughs> that's great yeah yeah so it was pretty cool um and did you get an opportunity to try some locally made whiskies over there yeah we went to um lagavulin Mm -hmm. you heard of that that place no uh yeah lagavulin's well-known um scotch whiskey um Craig will tell you about it. I think it's his favourite. So, <laughs> um, so we went there. A man who's definitely sampled a few. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, he loves it. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to keep up with him one night before the comp, and yeah, nah, nah, that was a bad mistake. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's an easy one to ruin yourself on. I reckon whiskey. Oh, it, yeah, yeah, because you at the start, like when you just get stuck, like starting to have a drink, you're like, oh, that's a bit strong, but then it just starts like getting real smooth and it's like oh here we go <laughs> uh but you know seriously is a single malt as good as a jack daniels <laughs> <laughs> no comment no comment uh, no. uh no, that's good mate um 
All right, let's get into a few questions. I do want to talk a bit more about techniques later on in the um, yeah. in the in the discussion. But um, Peter, Peter, welcome to the podcast, mate. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Just been busily pushing buttons <laughs> yeah. over there. Who are you again? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Erhan. So when we first met you, you first got into fly fishing. You started out fishing for snapper in the bay before. Yeah, yeah. I was um, uh, predominantly saltwater. Um, growing up in the on the Mornington Peninsula, it's pretty much all there is down there. So uh, snapper fishing, fishing off the jetties for garfish and squid and stuff like that, yeah. And then as I got older, got into um, game fishing. So that's what I where, how I got into fishing pretty much. Yeah, cool. And how did you find the transition into fly fishing? Um, yeah, I found it quite easy, to be honest, um, because I... Like I, when I started my business, um, and you'd probably relate, Andrew, like when you go out salt water fishing, it's just different. Um, it's not the same as going to the places we go, like the high country. It's just so you you sort of I, – I adapted quite well because it was just so relaxing. It took me away from, from the, you know, everyday rigmarole of bloody everyday city, life, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah. So – it was quite easy to adapt to fly fishing. So a big part of it was the where it was taking you, yeah, the environment, yeah, 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 yeah massively, yeah. Um, but I will say, when I was younger, I always wanted to fly fish because um, I was a massive fan of Rex Hunt, and I remember when I was a kid, we used to always go into the video stores and we used to always rent the. Uh, um, Rex Hunt show when he used to go to the Mersey. And I don't know if you've ever watched that one. So always hide that one. So always wanted to fly fish, but just never had anyone to go to go away with or whatever when I was younger. So. Yeah, unreal. Um, and, you know, it sounds like the environment for you early on was a, a pretty big part of it. And do you find now that you're fly fishing competitively that you still do or are able to stop and look around and just see, um, know, take it all in? Yeah, so there was a stage when I got into comp fishing because I've always been a, a competitive person. Um, like I played footy, I boxed, I pretty much did them all my life. So when I got to about 30, the body started breaking down and I needed to do something else. So I just I quit footy because fly fishing was really starting to take a part, like big part of my life and I was going down that, you know, down that. And it was actually you guys that put me on to Tom Jarman remember and you know and i spoke to tom and then got into competition fishing that way i thought oh well this is you know something i can keep doing i suppose being competitive he'd yeah. be kicking himself now <laughs> how good you're getting nah not really <laughs> <laughs> no, he's elite <laughs> <laughs> that's coming from a bronze medalist yeah, and a nah, he's, elite. Fishing he's another level yeah, yeah, um, but you know there must be something in uh, in being that competitive. Do you have to be that level of competitiveness to to get into competition fly fishing? Is that no? I think you can just do it. Um, like if you just want to learn as well, because the learning side of it's like fishing one comp. I reckon would be like fishing a year of fishing. I think of fly fishing. Wow. Yeah, the learning. Um, progression is yeah it's amazing like I didn't think it'd be like that but then it's also you know like everything in life it's you you it's what you put in you'll get out of it I guess yeah yeah, yeah. so it's been a big commitment of yours uh yeah yeah it's been a massive commitment for me um but I think it's just because I got trapped into the <laughs> the whole comp scene right um 
But uh, yeah, I I think uh, I've in the last year and a bit I've probably taken a bit more of a back seat, being a bit more relaxed, and it's probably helped with my my fishing. To be fair, wow, yeah. okay. That's so being able to. Uh, like you were saying before, like go out and just social fish and have fun and it's not everything's about the competition. So being able to separate the two. Yeah. And I think that's probably helped me a fair bit now. Yeah. Just being relaxed and, yeah, chilled out when you go into a comp. Yeah. So, yeah. And is it just having a bit of faith in the work that you've done prior to actually being in that, that competition setting? Yeah, so I think, um, like, I think some people can get too caught up uh, like other comp guys can get too caught up in uh, getting fixated on say for instance like fishing the Goulburn comp so they'll just go and fish the goal the Goulburn and practice on that I guess I think if you just practice on your craft in different areas or whatever and then that'll help you when you go to a comp you'll come to different scenarios that you're already confident in fishing and I think that's probably a better way of looking at it and that's what I used to do and now I'm just all about just working on techniques and at the same time as enjoying my fishing, I guess. Great, mate. Yeah. Um, so you, you pretty much said it already but like it sounds like competition fly fishing is pretty much for everyone if, yeah. if you're wanting to learn. Yeah, yeah. I think if you're wanting to learn um, and if you're wanting to suppose put your ego aside as well um if you've got a massive ego in fly fishing especially before you've done competition then it's probably not for you because you're gonna get you're gonna get your ass kicked (laughs) yeah that's and that's the truth like yeah there's been some well-known guides and everything that have come into comps that think they're going to do good and yeah, they've never come back again. Yeah, Scotty's still going through the tissues, is he? Actually, well, actually, Scotty's. You know, what? I think Scotty did well in one of his first comps. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's been a couple of guides that I got told have done well, but there's been some well-known guides that have never come back again, and I won't mention this. <laughs> we should have recorded this later in the day after a few whiskeys. Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll discuss that after we you know, hit the pause button. Um, but, uh, it, you know, so that learning curve for you early days, how did it, um, how did it transpire? Cause you haven't been competition fly fishing for just five minutes. When did it all begin? When did I start comp mm. fishing? Um, uh, my first comp was end of, uh, 2017. Um, I think it was a Lake Tolondo comp, I'm pretty sure. So R.I.P. Yeah, when I had water on it. <laughs> yeah, when I had water, it was actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so that was my first comp, and um, yeah, ever since then I haven't stopped. Yeah. Um, so, and you'd say that you're you've been just continually working hard on your competition fly fishing since that date, or has there been a bit of a uh, a lull at any yeah. point? Or has well. Um, yeah, when I first started, I, I was, it was, everything was just competition fishing. Like, I was just, I had that, just wanted to make, like, an Australian team and just, like, try to tick that box. But um, in 2020, uh, when my daughter got crook, was when everything sort of, yeah, you sort of take that realisation that it's not that important. There's a bit more to life than fly fishing. Yeah, there's a bit more to life and really just need to go out and enjoy it. Yeah. Much. And, yeah, so I think... Her getting crook and then coming out the back end of that um, has probably helped me, you know, a lot 
really, um, especially just, just putting things in perspective in life in general, right? It doesn't so, matter. Yeah. yeah, your fly fishing, your business life, all yep. that, no Pretty doubt, much. took a bit of a turn during that time. Pretty much, yeah. I had 18 months off from competition in that period, so yep. you got a lot of time to reflect. And um, when we did get the news that she was in remission and she was all good, uh, yeah, like you sort of like, all right. And my wife was saying, well, why don't you go back and do some comps and that? And it was like you were really appreciative to be there. It wasn't like, you know, yeah, just it is what it is. It was just, yeah, I was really happy to be well, there. And yeah, less about, you know, you and, and that like – personal accomplishment but more just about being out there enjoying it because this is what you love doing yeah pretty much yeah yeah and and the same thing happened in scotland as well like every morning i'd ring ring home before the session started and i'd ring up my wife and have a chat to her and speak to the little one and she kept drilling into my head just have fun that's it. just have fun yeah it was you know i kept saying it to myself like just have fun <laughs> behind every great man there's a great woman yeah right? yeah my <laughs> wife's a legend so. <laughs> we'll have to make sure she listens to it <laughs> <laughs> she did say to me this morning when i left make sure you don't swear <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah you've done well yeah yeah so in far. fact i don't think anyone no one no, not yet no. <laughs> keeping it clean this hour um so you know the the techniques that you're, you're probably fishing these days are quite different to how you you know maybe used to fish in your yeah. early days of fly fishing i mean we uh when you we first came in contact with each other you know we could tell your development in fly fishing was just at a different kind of bell curve to most people you're yeah. addicted yeah. as they come um <laughs> but the you know the golden uh it sounds that was a place that you were frequenting yeah um and i know you got right into that backwater fishing and, yeah. and you know polaroiding and sight fishing um how does that these days that style of fishing uh compare to what you're doing with the the competition side these days um well i haven't backwater fish since i started competition fishing yeah. so yeah it's completely changed like my style of fishing everything's changed it's yeah nothing like it was before yeah um the techniques are different everything's different but i will say that style of fishing has helped me because you get a bit more of an understanding of on scenarios of where fish will sit and stuff like that just general fish behavior because you've yeah. seen it with your own eyes yeah pretty much yeah it does right. backwater fishing does help you a lot actually to understand where fish sit it um they oh, it's without sound like an idiot it actually just makes it Oh, it's almost easy because you know where they're sitting, if that makes sense, because high water they'll push out into soft water. So it's the same thing when the, the river's low. Mm. Gonna, they still want to sit in that soft water. So. For sure. Yeah. No, that's awesome, mate. Um, yeah, I mean, geez, your development, it, 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 yeah. It was pretty to watch you just go through all that. Yeah. Um, you know, do you think you'll get to the point at some at some point where it becomes more about how you've caught that trout rather than just catching um and i don't want to say numbers because i don't you don't strike yeah. me as someone that's just fixated uh, on numbers but yeah. um you know like um no like i just i think i just like catching fish i don't yeah, yeah i don't really care about how i catch them um I will still um, go to a river and I'll, I'll fish that. It's always fishing that particular bit of water how it should be fished. So it's not really like oh, I'm going to go fish streamers or anything like that. I'll still, 
yeah, fish that water how it needs to be fished, and even in my social fishing. So yeah, um, yeah. But I I used to be like a big fish hunter back in the day, but now it just doesn't matter anymore. I think yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just like catching fish. <laughs> no, that's good, mate. Um, so, at what point of being a competition fly fisher, um, you know, where do you start to develop your own style? It's uh, a good question. Um, I think as you start picking up um, different techniques and you start working on your craft, then I think you start working out what you're good at and probably more so work on your weaknesses. So, for me, uh, I found... I found nymphing quite easy to get into. I think probably because I was quite new at fly fishing, so it wasn't, you know, how you, 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 you're doing something for so long. Um, some guys that you, like even guys when I guide for Scotty or something, they get into nymphing, they, they find it hard. I actually found that easy. It was actually um, dry fly fishing and watching guys like Christopher Bassano and stuff like that um, do like a Spanish-style technique. Um, dry fly that was I found that hard but now I've sort of turned that into a bit of a strength now um, and probably like uh, stripping wets and stuff like that through the river and swinging wets probably another thing that I worked on as well so yeah um, are you at any stage uh, not reinventing the wheel but like adding your own spice to what is already a perfected technique by someone else do you think or it's nah. more just take absorbing you know yeah. what is already out there at this point uh there's little things that you refine on i suppose but it's not really uh technique wise i don't think i think the techniques are there now there are some things but it's more i think at the moment it's more like getting finer tippets and Mm. Um, fishing finer hooks and just trying to like refine those things and getting used to fishing with those things because they are they do help you hook fish but then it's a matter of trying to get them in the net yeah so it's probably more working on those things and yeah and then there would be it would reach a point where you can have all the theory in the world but it just comes down to physical ability you know like <laughs> yeah. just fishing well you know yeah being that little bit more in touch with your flies or whatever it may be yeah and i think um i think that's probably more to do with uh, between the ears and anything like you really need to have the confidence in in trying those things so like you go and fish with your mates on the golden say for instance uh and they'll you'll be fishing um say like you know 0.09 diameter which is like what's that 8x tip it and they'll think you're an absolute idiot but you 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 know you're bullying fish and that's just confidence and that they're fishing you know like say 5x tip it on fish that aren't even you know a pound and a half sort of thing you know so that's that's just confidence so you, the 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 um the equipment we're using are capable handling all that so yeah 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 no it's good mate um you know through that that journey of your competition style fishing uh, and just your, your general fly fishing ability have you had some good mentors throughout the the journey yeah i've been um i've been pretty lucky uh through my competitions even before um i started comps like i got to know a lot of great anglers and well-known anglers but i'd probably Probably say uh, Luke Barbie and, and Vern Barbie have probably been my biggest mentors. Um, right. At the start, Tom was quite helpful as well. Um, yep. 
but yeah, probably Until he saw you as a fellow competitor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know. <laughs> well, this guy's getting too yeah. good. Yeah, I'm yeah, gonna yeah, stop yeah. helping him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what Tom's like? He's just always doing his own thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So probably those two. Those two guys have just been. They've been massive in my development as fly fish. And they're guys that um, can really you can really lean on, and and they are guys that are all about confidence and. And uh, it's all between the years with those two. So, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, are they still competing? Those those two, Vern. Uh, Luke's having a bit of a break, and Vern did have a break, but he's just getting back into it. Right. I think that those competitive juices sort of kick in. Like um, he rang me after the Commonwealth, give you know, congratulated me on how I went, and he's like, "Oh, I'm coming to the next comp." <laughs> so, <laughs> So that's good, mate. Yeah, he he might have been looking at you with a, with a bit of you know jealousy and envy. Oh uh, no, nah, I don't think so. Not not someone with the accolades of that bloke. So <laughs> yeah, I'm a mile off where he's, he's at. So yeah, um, yeah. I guess quickly talking about Vern, he's the the man that developed the magoo. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. well, he'll tell you he, he was. So yeah, I think he was. But yeah. No, it's a bloody good fly and one that uh, I n- you'd hardly you'd struggle to find a lake fisher in Victoria without a magoo in their fly box these nah, days. So yeah, he's yeah, uh, a hell of an angler and a yeah. bloody good mentor to you, I'm sure. Yeah, he's a really good angler, actually, like really good. Um, how how important do you think having these mentors is to success in competition fishing? Um, yeah, it is pretty good, I think, um, and it is important as well because uh, I think competition fishing if you do it on your own it, it can be a lo- it can be lonely place because you can really get found out and if you're not if you're not um being helped along the way and getting information off other people you're just not going to learn so like siding with people will help you in your development um you know guys that walk around thinking that they've you know created the wheel themselves uh, you know all the info that we've got has come from somewhere else so i think if you really associate yourself with um good anglers you're going to get better as well and do you find that in a team environments too everyone's willing to work together between teammates and different countries or is there when it comes to the competition it actually be, there's a bit of a divide being created um there, it's funny because uh, in our state comps, there's no real team, so you're sort of yeah. on your own. But I will say in Victoria, uh, there's been a few of us that have really um, pushed that team environment and it's actually showing in a lot of the results now. You know, you've got blokes like Gary Rapley, uh, Daniel Ringer, which who was already up there, um, myself, uh, Josh Van Heek, these sort of guys, we've all we all fish together in comps and we all stay together and all the info we get we give to each other and that's only going to just help us, you know, push us forward. So uh, that's the way we look at it anyway. What, is, what do they say? Champion team beats team of champions? Well, that's it right. does. Yeah, yeah it <laughs> yeah. does. And yeah. it's probably been a problem in Australia, to be fair, like, you know. Well, I think, you know, prior to uh, this transition we're seeing with uh, competitive fly fishing and it being more accepted amongst mm. the fly fishing community, it a lot of it was ego driven, and so yes. it tended to attract that style of fly fisher that was a bit more of an individual rather than being yep. at all concerned about fly fishing for their country yeah. as a team. Yeah, and that's pr- it's probably still about I think. Um, and uh, look, to be fair, like even myself fishing in that um, 
in that Commonwealth. Like it was almost like fishing in a different sport. Like it's not like like what we have back home because it's an individual sport at home and then all of a sudden you get thrown into a team environment. So it's, um, yeah, probably been something that uh, hasn't helped Australia, I reckon. And I think going forward it's probably something that we'll, we'll probably need to work on, I think, and definitely do yeah. more team things. It's like it should be a semester of a university degree, you know, like it it's is, yeah. It, yeah, something yeah. that needs well, to be. Well, you get like, you know, you get a, a team of, you know, five guys who are all individuals and um, throw them into a team, you know, there's still that, especially in the past, there's been still that, that uh, you know, that environment where they still want to beat their teammates, I guess, mm. you know, even though some of them probably won't say it, but you can see it because we do have a lot of quality anglers here, but for some unknown reason we've just never done well yeah. overseas. So. Do, you, do you think other countries have been so successful because they work together oh, and there's less of that? Yeah. yeah, so I was lucky enough in uh, 2019 when the Worlds were in Tassie to guide the French team. And they ended up winning it. So I got to spend, I think it was like 10 days with them. And it was just like, yeah, this is something that I'm not used to um, in the in Australian environment because they were just all about the team. It was just – and I don't know if it's because they come from – well, I suppose France isn't, but like you look at the Czech Republic and the, and those other countries like that, they've been so successful in – in world fly fishing and maybe it's because they come from maybe a poorer sort of environment or whatever so the to work together it, it might be just a part of their culture i'm not sure but they just seem to do it well and that that i remember the team captain in, in france was telling me that he wanted his anglers to have the i suppose wanted them to do well individually but it wasn't it wasn't the priority. The priority was the team and then the individual success would come after that because you can't – in those competitions, you can't do well without working as a team. So, like, you just it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Like, if you're a good as an individual, you're going to be great if you're feeding off the rest of your team. Yeah, mates. 100%. Yeah. Because so, you're getting, you know, ideas of everyone. So mm. – and if you've got the confidence in what your teammate's telling you, what he's done in another sector and not think that you know everything and you're willing to accept that, you will do well as a as You're going to feed off each other. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Um, just talk us through the team itself. How many anglers were in the in your team? Uh, the there was five anglers. So it was myself, Finn McDowell, Gary Rapley, Daniel Ringer and Chris Houston. Yeah. And then we had a team manager, Jason Garrett, and um, Craig Colton was the, the right. team captain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the manager, what is his role? Uh, so Jason's role was to, I suppose, organise the trip um, and just make sure that we had nothing else to worry about bar the fishing. So he was quite, he was quite good. Like I don't, I wouldn't have been able to go overseas and sacrifice not fishing. So he, he, while we were practicing, he was out like booking places for dinner and making sure there was food at the house when we got back and like. Everything was sorted for us. We did not have to do a thing. So. Pretty important role, yeah. you know, to keep you focused and not yeah. distracted by, you know, trivial life decisions. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. He they, he did really well. So yeah. And then captain, let's talk a bit about what his role is. Uh, so Craig, Craig, pretty much. Uh, well, he he's he's things to pretty much get us together and working as a team and giving us a plan to work off. And that was the other good thing with with the team that we had this time was 
that we pretty much did what Craig told us to do. And I think that was a lot to do with it too. So we bought into what he had to say. And he's an easy guy to actually buy into what he says because he's such a good... He's engaging. Yeah, yeah, you really like... You can really feed off what he says. Um, so that was his role. Um, and really like... Kind of like a coach in footy, would you say? He w- yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah right. He's like, the, I suppose, Lee Matthews of fly fishing, I, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's just, yeah, he's really good. That's quite a really compliment, te- mate. Yeah, yeah, a really good teacher. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, he must have done an amazing job to, you know, help you guys succeed in the way that you did over yeah. there. Look, for me, he was awesome for me. Like, from the outset, when, I, when we first met, I just, yeah, fed off everything he said. So pretty much the way I fished was off the back of, you know, him coaching us, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it, it flies and, and I guess research on the fishery and that kind of thing, is that a big role for the captain as well? Yeah, he – well, he's been there before. He's fished in a comp there before. So he did have a, a bit of knowledge. Um, he's also uh, got a lot of friends in Scotland that have previously done competitions. So he had um, – well, our base flies that he brought along were – that's what we used and a couple of us added our own patterns and um, as we went through practice we started like breaking them right down and it started getting a smaller sort of group of flies so um, but most of them were from what he brought really yeah Um, and like what these patterns that other people maybe brought to the table was there anything that was a bit weird where you're like oh geez i never actually would have thought that would work here uh no they were sort of all the same like they were all patterns that we've heard of um the only one was uh, one that chris houston brought along it was called the harry potter or something and <laughs> i kept i, I just couldn't catch fish on it so i'd let him know i wouldn't catch fish on it as well like the poor bugger was yeah copping a pasting off me every time i'd say that flies friggin shit mate and yeah. just throw it back at him or something like that but i i it was working for the rest of the team and i kept using it and ended up catching fish on it in the last session but yeah, um, right. that was probably the weirdest fly i guess that yeah we had. nice um do they take the results from all competing anglers or is there just the like the the best in each sector or how does how does the school like what happens if someone gets sick if they get sick and don't yeah. fish or, yeah. Yeah, or they, they just get a blank they don't score so right. yeah so there was like 12 in each group so that country would get 12 points for yeah they just get a blank yeah right yeah. okay geez that which could severely yeah you know. yeah so you get a blank like it's yeah it yeah. really hurt you yeah so you don't want to go too no. hard on the uh, beef, no. beef and Guinness pie. No, no. And, and that was the other thing. Like Craig was um, pretty like adamant before we went to make sure that we watch what we eat and, you know, because he's been away a few times where anglers have got really crook from eating, you know, shitty food. And so we had to really watch what we were <laughs> eating, where we would eat and stuff like that. So none of us got crook. That's why the whiskey was important, to kill any bugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was. Um, so you mentioned techniques like flies and that. They get narrowed down through the week. Are there other techniques that evolve? Um, well, no, it wasn't really like the, the techniques. It was just pretty much, um, you know, uh, pulling little lock style wets, 
you know, figure eight and little lock style wets. But over there as well, um, dibbling across the waves and stuff like that really, really worked. So um, giving them from different angles and, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, like you dibble flies across the waves with using the wind to drag them across and then all of a sudden a brown would come and roll over and, and eat it. So those were the sort of the techniques. But it was – the main thing was work rate, I reckon. You really had to work for your fish and um, – and be confident that there was fish there. I think if you weren't confident, you know, you you, you just wouldn't catch fish. Yeah. And did you go into it with the information that dibbling worked and stripping lock-style wets was the way to go, or did you learn it through the way? Yeah, so those sort of um, things were told to us before the comp um, by Craig. Um, we, like, oh, a few months before we left, we went over to Tassie and fished Little Pine a few times with Craig and we worked on those techniques. Um, I know for myself, I didn't sort of leave that. I always just, I just stuck to what we were told and learnt with Craig. So I didn't try to uh, incorporate my own sort of techniques. I thought of just do what Craig said and just do it really well, I guess. Uh, and more general, generally, is there ever a point where you differentiate from doing what you're told to try and catch more fish or is is it just so effective that you stick with it? Um, well, yeah, I think Craig did say to us, because um, the sessions went for three hours, he did say if, uh, if things weren't working for you to start, you know, looking in your, your bag of tricks and try other things, but he wanted us to sort of stick to the, the team plan. Um, I know, if, look, for myself, I, I can't really speak for the other guys, but for me it was was just work rate and finding the fish. So I I stuck to those techniques, but like I said, just change flies, change angles, and and just until I start hitting fish, and and then yeah, I was always confident there was fish there. If I wasn't hitting fish, it was uh, something that I was doing. It wasn't really. I wouldn't blame it on the flies or the technique. It was just yeah, I just needed to find them. And day by day, it was a variation, you know, like one day the weather's doing this and it's working and then the next day it's just totally different. Yeah, so um, I know like Finn Lagen, um, when I fished Finn Lagen, I was told before the session that there was a lot of small fish in there. So um, brown trout, I thought, oh, maybe give it to him a bit quicker there. So roly-poly was good just to keep him on because if you normal strip those small fish tend to come off when you're playing them back so just a roly-poly and then when you'd feel that tug you just keep roly-polying them back and almost fish them back to your net like a lure yeah um and then when we got to gorm the the numbers in the early sessions on gorm were quite high so i thought that i'd have to slow things down instead of pulling fast i thought i'd have to slow it right down because the fish probably be a bit touchy and it and it worked that way that they were a bit touchy because times where i did pull a bit quicker you'd get a little tug here and there they just weren't committing but when i slowed it right down then i started yeah really nailing fish so great so yeah yeah, being that little bit adaptable and just trying different stuff yeah you you sort of almost got to uh think ahead of game i suppose if you keep up to date with what was going on on that like on those sectors and the numbers on those sectors you'd know 
eventually those fish are going to start getting touched up and they're going to get start getting flighty. Like they can't just – they're brown trout. They just can't keep performing like that throughout the comp. So if, because I was getting it later in the comp, I thought, well, I'm going to have to like just make a few little adjustments and slowing it down really works. So. Do the, the lakes and the, the venues, as you put it, do they get a, a pre-fished beforehand? Like how? No, I think they closed it maybe – I was told they closed it like a month out and I'm pretty sure like even the public weren't allowed to fish them. Right. I, I'm not sure on that, but I know like comp anglers weren't allowed to fish them. Um, you would think that a bit of local knowledge, um, you know, like if you – I, presumably the Scottish team would have had the inside run, you know, having fished those waters many times before, right? Yeah, so their team actually had two of the lo- two locals in their team. Wow. I had um I had a local in my group, but I don't know if he, – he actually didn't fish well, so um, luckily enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> apparently he was a really good angler, but um, he was very angry at the end of every session. So I think – and that's where I – you know, the – the comp game is so mental that you know it doesn't matter how good you are if you're not switched on mentally, like you just you're just out of it. Yeah, you can just get thrown off your game like real quick. Yeah, so yeah, that competitive gene that is just not doesn't come from fly fishing; it's just ingrained in someone's personality. It sounds so like. much like it at the Tour de France or any big yeah. competition. You know, you've got teams with managers and um, captains and. There's the mental health aspect of it, or the mentality aspect of it, and yeah, yeah. mate, how are you going to go competition fly fishing when you get so upset? When oh my, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to take like 20 rods to a competition every time I lose a fish. <laughs> Break you, a you rod. You need a rod sponsor yeah. just to cover all the broken rods. I've thrown rods before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've thrown yeah. Rods Sometimes before. it just has to be done. Yeah. 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 You've got to let off that steam. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, was this the first time you competed internationally? Yeah, this was my first international comp. Jeez, mate. What's yeah, uh, I haven't been in it long enough to to actually qualify for a team. So, um, wow. yeah, it was my first first one. So, And is this the beginning of something that you, you're going to be pretty focused on <sighs> moving forward? Or, do, or are you feeling a bit more content about your competition fly fishing, uh, knowing that you've got to that level now? Uh, no, nah, I've still got the ambitions to make a world team, but... I'm content that I'm happy not to make another international team for a couple of years. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I think having a you know a young daughter and a wife, so I think that's probably more important to me than than um, competition fishing. Because although it's good, it's more like, it's a be, commitment. It is a commitment, and it's more for self. Like self gratitude, I suppose you'd say. I don't know if that's the right way of putting it, but like no one's going to ever care when we're finished. You yeah, know? <laughs> like it's fly fishing. Like you said, it's not a massive sport, so no one will ever remember us. Yeah. No, so we care. We'll remember. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, remember. Right, yeah. yeah. Remember yeah. that time Ahan got bronze? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah, when we were old and talking about all the fish we caught. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's not as important. Oh, look, I will look. To get, I'll, I'll keep comp fishing, but um, if it happens, it happens, you know. And then if I do get selected for a team, I'll decide whether I do it or not. It's yeah, it's not as important to me as it is to some of the other guys. How does it work? The difference between a Commonwealth team and a World team. What's the uh, the lead up to that? And how does that work? 
in like like how is there a dip? Or? Yeah, like is uh, is there some competitors like Tom, for instance, that only fishes in the world team and not the Commonwealth team? Oh, so well, the selection process is um, the world team is based off uh, year of three years, so three years in a row, right. top points, and the Commonwealth is only based off one year, so. You can have a like ridiculously good season and get selected for a Commonwealth. Um, so, but with like say for someone like Tom, he would have been invited to do this Commonwealth, but you can't fish in both. Yeah. So the the world teams like the A team and the the Commonwealths like the the B the team. resis. Yeah, the resis. <laughs> <laughs> although although they'll love me saying this, I'd love to give him. A, I'd love to have a crack at the world team mate, our Commonwealth team. I reckon we'll give him a good run for their money. Oh, <laughs> this should <laughs> be something we should do. <laughs> <laughs> that that, that would is, be good. Is, yeah. We'd like to see that. <laughs> Shit. Well, yeah. you heard it here yeah. first, yeah. folks. Yeah. Um, and step right up, world team. Yeah, come on, <laughs> don't be soft. <laughs> oh, they'd love love hearing that. They would, wouldn't yeah, they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that they've got that same competitive spirit, oh, sure. and they'd love to have a, a throwdown. <laughs> yeah, they? probably. Yeah, 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 for sure. Rocky Valley, you know, <laughs> yeah. January 2024. Yeah, let's make it happen. Um, and uh, let's maybe dive into a bit more of the technique side of things, you yeah. know, the things that you've picked up in your fly fishing in competing yeah. that um, maybe could be used by everyday fly fishers yeah. like Gumby's like us, yeah, Peter and I. Um, you. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> he's got the cockiness and confidence, doesn't yeah, he? Hey? You make a good comp angler. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like, you, you know, the there's so many different techniques, isn't there, in yeah. competition fly fishing? Well, just fly fishing in general, I guess. Yeah. Um, what, are, what are some of the standout techniques? Um, I think dry flies definitely, uh, when I started competing, like the – Dry fly I was used to was, yeah, it's just a different, it's on another level. Mm. Um, and it's, a, there's a lot of, uh, I suppose you'd, you'd call it Spanish style dry fly. And that's completely different where, you know, we're used to, I suppose the everyday anglers used to just laying the fly out where the the better way of doing it, a more efficient way is actually letting it fall in a heap. So you've got all that slack there and you can actually manipulate that line so you can get those mega long drifts. Um, so the, the takeaway from that would be uh, thinking more about the presentation of the fly rather than just getting the fly to the fish. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like it, it probably doesn't look as good, but it's a lot more effective. Um, and also you're almost, what would you call it, like a negative curve cast, I suppose, like a normal curve cast is... That way, and then yeah. So the opposite direction. Yeah, the opposite yeah. direction. Flares so outwards. The fly lands um, before the line, I suppose. So it curves yep. back on itself, and the fish will. They won't see the the line. They'll actually see the fly first. before. Yeah, they'll see it first. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about getting yeah the fly line, which is going to be the most visible bit uh, above above the, the fly. fly. Yeah, yep. pretty much. Awesome, man. Yeah. So that. They were the techniques and um, at the start they were actually, it was quite hard to do because trying to get that line to do that, you really needed the the right equipment to do it. You couldn't just do it with, you know, 
I know when I was fishing, say the Stevo or the Ruby, you'd be fishing these short rods like like that. an eight foot four weight yeah. or a seven foot yeah. six three weight. Yeah, yeah. And, ne- and now I'm fishing like I don't think I even own a nine foot rod anymore. Like everything's nine foot six, ten footers. So, wow. Yeah. Um, let's talk a bit more about the the gear that that's maybe made things a little bit easier for you, or at least fish these more advanced techniques a bit more successfully. Um, the lake side of things just talk us through maybe the, the, the rod starting with the rod uh, on the lakes um i just fish like a six weight ten foot rod yeah um it's oh, there's nothing really special about it, to be honest the lake stuff uh and just cassette reels i guess so i can efficiently change through lines with what i need um so a lot of different sync rates and lines that pretty you're going much to? yeah it's mainly the lines really yeah. um i will say i did you did use a uh, a Hanak RS, I think it was a nine foot eight rod for the, the Commonwealth. Yep, because um, that was what Craig wanted us to fish, and that was it was really good on small fish. Uh, right, so it sort of had power, but it was yeah. uh, soft enough in the tip that you're not breaking like, off light tips. Yeah, like real soft. Yeah, okay. yeah. Did you have to be quite soft with your hands too? If you're doing a Roly Poly retrieve on uh, very light tippet. You know, yeah. even with a small fish, did you find popping a few off with the roly-poly technique or there's enough line in the water to kind of take up that? Yeah, no, I didn't find that um, hard at all. I didn't fish uh, anything lighter than 0.16, so what's that's still like 5X or 5X something. 5X or 4X. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so still for those fish, and we're talking like 25 centimetre fish, so... Right, so yeah, yeah when you pull, they're probably going to pull with you. Yeah, and roly-poly's quite good because you don't... You're almost not using the rod, but when yeah, when you're like pulling and then you're lifting the rod and bending the rod, um, those stiffer six weight rods can tend to bounce fish because they're just not yeah. yeah I don't know they don't they're absorb not supple it. Enough. Yeah, yeah yeah they're not supple enough yeah where that Hanak was yeah it's yeah it's really good rod <laughs> yeah cool yeah. Um, You'll have to get them in, mate. <laughs> we can get them. We've, we've got them. We've got them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are good. Really We're not going to launch this podcast yeah. until we have stock. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, you know, the lines. It sounds like with your still water fishing in particular, the yeah. lines have been uh, uh, maybe the thing that you've been more committed to experimenting yeah. with. Um, yeah. How many different types of sink rates have you got in your arsenal of fly lines? Oh, I think. I don't know. I think I've got like <laughs> I don't even know how many. It's embarrassing <laughs> to be honest, but I will say, like in lake fishing, the line is the most important. Um, and if sometimes that that you know point you know five of an inch or whatever sink rate can make the difference in you catching fish. Yeah, like that. And I'm I don't know if that's just a confidence thing, but yeah, I truly believe that that. That the line is probably the most important thing, not the rod, um, like finding those fish. So, yeah, it's it's hard when you speak like you know just everyday anglers and they see your fly line, they think or your fly box for your your lake fishing, they see all the lines you have, they think you're an absolute nutter. But um, it does does make a difference for sure, man. Um, like if let's just to to make it a little bit more simplistic, <laughs> um, everyone's going to have a floating line because. Yep. You can't fish a dry fly without one. Yeah. Um, if you could pick two sinking lines out of the 56 you've got, <laughs> <laughs> um, what would they be? Apart from the floater. So I reckon uh, definitely an inter for our our waters because 
you can sort of cast them out and then let them sink, I guess, or you could fish them quite high if you wanted to. Um, and probably um, I love those 12-foot sink tips from Airflow. Like, they're probably my favourite lines now. What is the sink rate in the tip of those? Uh, so I've got three. So I've got the slow, medium and fast, and they're all the same as an inter. So the slows are 0.5, the medium's uh, one inch, and the fast is a one and a half. Okay, so you've narrowed that one down to three. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hard to really, that, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, in, in Scotland, which one was the one that was fishing best for you of those three sink rates? Uh, they, all three of them fished well. <laughs> so it depended on the weather. So, like, in, on the last day, the, it really blew up. Like, I had waves crashing over me over me so i went to the faster one right okay so the fast and the medium pretty much were the two. so in more wave action you're finding that you need something that sinks a little bit quicker yeah because i was actually over there you didn't well i didn't um cast far like i was only maybe 30 foot cast just oh, wow. and just fan casting so because i was just confident there was fish so yeah with small fish you don't really want to be casting too far out um you want to as soon as you hit one, you want to be able to get them in quick. Don't able to connect. To, yeah, yeah, so it was all about that. Um, but, yeah, just having that little bit of a sink rate just to pull it down. But the good thing about those sink tip lines is um, they're not like a full sink. So when you're wading through water, you don't want the sinking line to be – it'll drop down to your feet. So when you go to cast or it, it starts getting annoying and – you can't fish efficiently so having it the floater it's sitting up and especially in those the waves and stuff like that yeah you you're up like this and you cast and you want that line to be shooting out really well yeah so that efficiency is just less false casting isn't it like the more time your flies in the water yeah the more time you're getting fishing yeah your your you know your circuit your beat and you can just get real frustrated like um it also stops you. Like, I, I know in practice I was using intermediate lines from the bank and it got frustrating, so I went to, like, stripping baskets and they were really useful, but they you almost forget they're there, so you, it's just another thing that you got to carry. So mm. I thought oh, I'll get the sink tip lines. They're a bit Good more man. efficient. And they work well here too, so yeah, work really well here, especially nymphing and stuff like that. Yeah. And leaders for your, your still water fishing? Um. I let, let sorry. Let me we'll break that down a bit. So with a floating line and a dry fly, uh, fishing multiple dries. What what sort of leader are you using there? Um, I usually just use. Uh, I make up like a little tapered leader, and then I just it goes for about four foot, and then I'll tie that to a tippet ring, and then I'll just tie like a, a make up a level leader. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. So this is dry fly fishing. You're using a tippet ring. Yeah, I'll use a tippet ring. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that just to, or is it just so that that point um, of your leader where the taper actually ends is always at the tippet ring? You know, there's no guesswork there. Is that the idea? Oh, just the for ring? easy changeover, so you're not cutting into that tapered section. Yeah. So that'll just stay there for forever. Like I'll keep them. Yeah. Cool. Especially if I'm not comp fishing, I'll only change it when a comp comes. And um, but usually if I'm practicing, I'll just have the same one on there for for like three months or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's good. Um, and the dropper for the fly, if you're fishing two dry flies, you, you're fishing it off a dropper. And yeah, w- what sort of length would that dropper be generally? Uh, like six to seven inches, I reckon. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yep. so long enough that it can 
the fly can do what it needs to do to yeah uh, long enough. Well, um, probably more just because if I change flies, I don't want to keep changing leaders. To be fair, um, because you're not uh, when when you dry fly fishing, you're not really leaving the fly sitting there, especially when you're lock style fishing. You're sort of casting it out, and I'll usually count to like ten to fifteen seconds, and then I'll cast again and put it in a different spot. Okay. Not really leaving it there long enough, so um, for any of that to to matter. Yeah, yep. and then the the streamer fishing. Um, are there different categories of streamers in your mind? Like, uh, you know, bead heads, unweighted stuff. Um, is there anything in the flies you're using that plays into the leader design? For uh, not really. Um, I'll try keep everything quite simple. I yep. won't change too much. So yeah. Uh, the only time I'll change, I might go to like a thicker sort of uh, tippet, like maybe, I know Craig wanted us to use a Maxima sort of mono because it's stiffer, and that's just for wind, I guess, but um, no, nah, not really so. And I, and my wet, like my wet flies, my woolly buggers, say for instance, like I'll have unweighted, I'll have brass bead and I'll have tungsten, So they and they all cast differently. Yeah. I just sort of adjust as I... Good, mate. Go on, yeah. Um, and then the flies, you, you know, let's, um, do you have different categories of flies that you use, like marabou tails? Do you fish Zonka-style flies at all? No, nah, right? nah, I keep it quite simple, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and my, like, my river box is the same. Like, there's not too many different patterns. I think it's just a matter of finding fish. Yeah. So I think we give, I think we give, like, the uh, trout too much credit, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's flies that. that you've got confidence in, yeah. you know, they work um and i guess to a certain degree and i reckon this is probably looking through a competitive lens but there's only so many flies that you can try yeah during the course of a day yeah so it's got you've got to have you know i don't how many flies is that that you could realistically fish uh, during well a session yeah well, i mean we're only allowed to have uh, a three like three flies at a time so but yeah i don't you might go through like 10 patterns on it in a late comp, but yep. I know guys that'll fish the same three flies for the whole comp and they won't change. Yeah. Because they're just that confident that it's not the flies. It's, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, I remember, I don't know, John Horsey, listening to John Horsey speak once, and I remember him saying that um, when he goes into team meetings and they're, they're talking about, you know, that what they did that session uh the guys that would ask what flies you used he just would not look at them because he <laughs> reckons it's it's retrieve and line which is the the main thing and and wow. i and I, I actually relate to that i reckon it's yeah it's more about the retrieve more about where the fish are like what depth they're sitting i think that's a great lesson for people isn't it you know yeah. like the we talk flies with such passion you know that yeah. it but it's not ultimately what's making the difference for most nah, people no nah. Like it's yeah, it, the fly doesn't matter. It's all to do with technique. Yeah, I, and that you know, like my river fishing uh, for comps. Like I used to have all the flies, and now I think I've got like maybe four or five different patterns in a like you know one of those CNF boxes with the, the leaflet in it, full of like yeah. There's only of the same fly, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. just, just rows just, of the yeah, same fly, different bead colors and different weights, and that's it. It's yeah. just technique. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I guess the, 
you know, the thing I really admire with the competition fly selection is it's they're coming at it from an angle of presentation rather yeah. than, you know, different colours or bugginess or whatever. It's always just about the weight of yeah. the thing. Yeah. How quickly is this thing going to sink? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, you know, the weight, same thing, try to get the flies down where the fish are, where you think they're going to be. Um, and then it's bead colour, you know. Some days they like gold, some days they like pink. You know, like I always like hearing mates saying, oh, they're on the pink bead like on the gold. But, you know, you go there the next day and that, that bead might not even work. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, like I'll have my river box. Like I've got – I do have flies with a bit of movement in them. So, you know, cold weather, you know, if, if the water temp's not right, like say it's 10 degrees or something, you'd throw them patterns on. So it's got a bit of movement, like something just to wake the fish up. Yeah, um, and then like summer, you might have like you just your pheasant tails or perdigons or yeah, or then you know then you can use perdigons to get down deep as well. But they're also a good, good fly when because they're not dressed heavily. So yeah, um, so they sink that bit quicker than a normal dubbed body. Is that yeah? They the idea that, yeah they shoot down. But I also like using them in shallow water because there's not much of them. So um, you can fish them on a dry fly hook or something like that to small fish, and they're quite easy to. You know, they'll get down in pocket water quite quickly as well and they're not, you know, getting through that turbulence. They're yeah. really, yeah, good pattern. Nice. Um, and rods for the rivers? What, uh, what are you fishing by preference there? Uh, so that's the other, like I don't, I don't really have a preference on rod. I have rods for different scenarios now. So um, used to be like, nah, I use this rod and that rod, but now it's, yeah, I have different rods for different scenarios. So I'm pretty much using anywhere from a 9 foot 6 to 11 foot. Um, so I'll generally use a 9, 6 to 10 foot sort of rod for my dry fly and nymph on the dry, and then anywhere from a 10 foot to 11 foot for nymphing. Just right. depends on the, on the river. Yeah. Um, white forward fly lines, what are we talking for the dry fly fishing? Um, I use – so dry fly fishing, I just use the old VPT. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, like a really long forward taper. Yeah, um, and then I'll usually – well, because of the length of uh, leader that we're allowed in competition, I'll underline that. So if I've got a three-weight rod, I'll fish like a two-weight line just so it doesn't turn over, so – just yeah almost collapses because a, a three-weight line will still throw yeah um and then with the leader that i use that yeah it even helps even more to just sort of um, right so the gear help. plays into that yeah massively that, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um and but the there's obviously a particular casting technique for that slack line dry fly presentation as well is there yeah um what do you like overpower the cast a bit or yeah sort of like i sort of tend to cast across my body so instead of like casting upstream you'll cast across like if you're facing the river you'll cast across your body and the the leader and line will do the rest of the work so yeah. the the leader and line actually do it all really yeah um yeah wow no that's great mate so it's um, all in setup yeah and like but what it at what point do you go oh my nine foot foot six rod isn't doing what i want it to do i'm gonna go for the ten footer uh, I'll tend to go to a, it's funny because <laughs> I'm kind of opposite. I'll tend to go to a longer rod in smaller rivers. Right. Um, because you can, if you start getting into those, uh, pocket water type areas, 
I like fishing the the longer rod because you can high stick it a bit and it just I feel like you you can adapt. Got more a bit. control. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So I've got a uh, a nine foot nine rod that I I pretty much use in all my competitions, even for dry fly, and I'll switch through it. I don't like carrying heaps of rods. I like to have a rod that can pretty much do everything. So I'll switch from nymph on the dry to dry fly through a session in that, with that rod. But right. yeah, you can high stick or whatever with it. Yeah, it's yep. pretty good. Uh, and the leader design for your Euro nymphing, is there a Top particular secret. recipe that y- you <laughs> yeah, don't want to tell just, us about? No, it's all <laughs> just level. I'll fish one, yeah, one level. It'll be either uh, 0.16 or 0.18 and that's it the whole way through. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, yeah right. So again, it's just... Keep it simple. The less drag that's in there, the yeah, less, less it can pull less your drag. Around. It's quick too. Yeah, um, and that's the thing. Like it's yeah, it, it less drags the main thing, but um, it, it is quick to change over. Do you use bicolor mono or do you wax your leader? Uh, oh, the, yeah. For the indicator, yeah, I'll use bicolor. Yeah, bicolor, yeah. Um, and then I'll just um, have like a clear section, so it, it, it makes it's the color change. Yeah, yeah, the color change, yeah. and then I'll just have like a. Oh, sorry, a green running line. Yeah, That's okay. It. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty simple. Nothing <laughs> like there's no there's no secrets. No, there's no secret. It's quite simple, man. I think it's it's great. You know, like what we've uh, I think revealed with you uh, today is that it it doesn't necessarily come down to the to the gear or you know even the technique to a certain degree. It's just like uh, having a higher work rate. Yeah, you know, really working at it. Uh, trying the different things that you know work on particular yeah. days. Yeah, you're you've got a simplistic approach to competition fly fishing, which I think should be the takeaway for most people. Yeah, this stuff isn't hard, no, but it's not. to do it well, yeah, requires a certain amount of commitment and hard work. Yeah, I'd say um, one thing I do tell a lot of people that are coming into comp fishing is that um, when you do go fish, to to do like sacrifice your fishing as well when you. To work on your craft, I think if you do want to do well, you do have to sacrifice your fishing. You can't just—it's it is hard for us anglers to go and go fish our favourite spots where we know we're going to catch fish. And um, when the fishing's hard, when that's fishing, a good thing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, like I'll I'll go fish sometimes. Say for instance, the Goulburn. Like I'll go fish where there's ten people fishing because <laughs> I know it's going to be hard, and you you know you get confidence that you can catch fish in. Um, water that's been disturbed yeah mate you you obviously a bloke that has put in the hard work and um you know we feel really privileged to sit down <laughs> with you here today and and you know i think it's such an amazing accomplishment what you've achieved over there and um mate we hope that you're a part of the australian fly fishing team for a long time to come yeah. um you're a rare talent you're a bloody legend of a guy and um thank you so much for coming on man no no worries thanks for having us